Ashwini, uh, welcome, welcome to Stickman Cyber Knowledge Series. Really appreciate you making the time, uh, and uh, thank you for being a customer of Stickman. We've known each other for just over a year and a bit, and we've had multiple conversations and you know dealing with challenges in the industry, uh, challenges with business in general. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for you to come, uh, share your views about what's happening in the industry. So if you don't mind, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? who listen to this uh, video uh, knowledge series, your background, a little bit about your background, what are you currently doing, and that'll help start the conversation. Thank you. Yes, yeah, sure. So I'm Ashwani Rao. I'm currently in a general manager cybersecurity role at Chartered Accountants INZ. Um, been here for one year, two months now. Really, time for you. Um, I'm uh, basically a pretty hands-on cybersecurity uh, specialist. Been doing IT for the last 25 years in security for the last 20 years in various roles, such as infrastructure manager, um, and basically um, and are working for a US multinational, prepares for you for a lot of stuff in, in terms of SOX compliance and then ISO compliance, and then obviously NIST. So I have a pretty good view, not only from an operations hands-on, as a background of a Microsoft systems engineer, but in doing um, security in the management and compliance and GRC, which is basically and risk management really. Um, and obviously, as I travel through the career, I've made sure that I fortified myself with the latest knowledge, um, not only in technology, but in leadership also. I'm sure for UNSW's MBA. And um, right now my passion is sharing what I've learned from a very hands-on 20 years of background to what I see in the modern world today in security. And yeah, and trying to give back. And this is one way of giving back. <laughs> no, thank you. Really appreciate it. So, so Ashwini, just to get the conversation going, you know, obviously we are on the service provider side. You are on the, you know, user side or the consumer side. I'm sure you're speaking to your peers in the industry. You know, what are you seeing as the, you know, maybe the top three challenges currently the industry is facing, you know, in terms of cyber? Yeah, so when I network with my peers and obviously as you go to the various size of forums and CSO forums, one of the recurring themes basically, you know, the top three is um, the talent shortage, the ability to recruit um, and specifically shortage in the assurance uh, perspective because that's what all the industry wants to do now is have a strong assurance strategically, right? And outsource the rest, okay? So that's one. And because of the talent shortage, Obviously, everybody actually has to work with a very limited pool of internal in-house. So staff burnout is another concern. So how much is too much is always a challenge in um, cybersecurity. And then obviously, uh, what we next see is the ever-changing threat landscape. And how does it translate to the actual business? Because you can't actually afford to jump on every um, threat out there. So what's pertinent to you? How does an organization decide it's pertinent to them? And then obviously, how do you articulate that risk to the board? Saying that you need to invest in that risk is a huge challenge because the board are still trying to grapple and understand cybersecurity. They know it's important, but how does it translate into the actual risk and then the investment that they need to do and the business impact? So that's one of the things that has arisen in most of the forums is the sizes challenge. How do we get sponsorship from the board, right? And obviously, cyber insurance is another thing that's popping up premiums going up, lots of um, fine prints been underwritten, you know, uh, is it still current, is it still relevant, 
So those are some of the three things that actually come comes up. Oh, wonderful. You you touched upon talent, you touched upon uh, threats, you touched upon board, and you touched upon insurance, right? So board is an interesting aspect, right? So with with board, do you believe that boards the the level of knowledge and expertise of boards in general, right? You know, not about a specific. Like the reason I'm asking this is I did a poll yesterday on LinkedIn. So, uh, there was a uh, one of the cyber ministers of Japan uh, came up online and said he has never used a computer ever. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's always had people send emails, do everything for him. So there's a big uproar in in the market saying how can a person who's never touched a computer be a minister of cyber defense or cyber security? Yeah. Um, you know, I went out and said, well, you know. Does that mean that a minister of defense should know how to use a gun and run a patent tank and fly an aircraft? Or, mm-hmm. you know, so this is the thing, right? Are we going to create leadership through technology background? So, you know, what is that? What, what do you see in your view in terms of the cap, right, with the boats? Yeah, I mean, if conversely to that argument, if you look at Japan's security posture, it is rated in the top five, right, in cyber defense. So in the defense of the minister, he doesn't know how to use a computer. He is a country which is one of the best defensible, cybersecurity defensible country, right? So it's like, go figure. Do you really need that? <laughs> so I would basically say that at that level, you really need to get to a strategy together and what the business needs. Maybe that's what he's focusing on. He doesn't need to know cyber to actually come to cyber techs. What's the strategy? You know, What's the thing that's at risk the most for our organization is the question that the board should ask. Mm. That's what it is. So, and then is that risk um, from a cyber arena? Is that risk from any other parts of the business, right? Yeah, I think more importantly, I feel boards need to truly understand risk, not about technology and threat landscape and threat intelligence and threat vectors and TTPs. And, you know, I'm like, you can confuse the board with all these jargons, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I see some tech people just throw these jargons out and think that they can get away with it. But yeah. risk is something businesses understand, yeah. right? If we can help help the boards understand risk in its true sense, and cyber risk is quite tricky, right? You yeah. know, it's like if I'm if I'm with my kids trying to cross the road, you know, I, I can very easily show them there's a threat. There's a car coming, there's a truck coming. You don't cross it, yeah. right? But clicking on a link and then the repercussion of it is all happening in kind of in the back end. Yeah. How do you help boards understand this risk? Yeah, you actually um, nailed it in terms of uh, saying that the board should understand risk. They should understand technology, right? It is the job of the size of it to translate that risk into is it a risk that's animating from your technology arena or is it from any other arena, right? Um, and, and that's what my challenge is in our organization, reputation, right? So if an attack does happen, a breach does occur, it's a reputational impact, which is always there as a risk. It's just, it's coming from another door, hmm. right? Hmm. And unfortunately, that door is getting bigger, the target is getting bigger, right? So it's the same and then winning that investment for that, okay? Cyber is one of the risks now and, and is also as part of your fiduciary duty as a director to make sure you take care of the cyber risk. Um, so 
Dadalos, you know, is again is a risk which was always there. It's just it's another door now. Saiba is another door. Right? And so we should be treating it that that what you should understand to the board is now we've got another door. True. Right? And then this is how the door behaves. Right? And then the SISO actually translates what that business risk translates to cyber. And cyber needs to have a very good hook into the enterprise risk management, really. They should, cyber should understand risk. Uh, and cyber should start talking about um, risk from a business viewpoint, not from a tech viewpoint. Um, we are learning. Like I'm, I, I didn't know about all these things. I didn't know how that I need to understand risk. I actually went and got certified in this just to understand how to articulate risk. Especially cyber. Yeah. Right? Especially because yeah. it's you can't show them the truck coming to hit you, right? Because it's happening in the back end. They're like, right. you know, what phishing email and what this and what that. So that's what get asked question. Yeah. And, and the confusing thing in cyber is that there is not only one defense that you rely on. You rely on layers of defense to catch it, right? And so the challenge is, okay, you've got an endpoint security, an EDR solution. Why are you asking for this, that? An extra scene then, let's say. Or a web filtering or DNS filtering solution. Don't we have an EDR? Yeah, I have that. But unfortunately, in Cyberbuck, we need layered defense, right? We just cannot rely on a single gatekeeper to stop everything because the threat changes. It's very beautifully put because you have that layered defense starts from physical security, mm. people security, and ensuring people are doing the right thing. Then you've got the you know infrastructure, the network, the application. The database, the front end, the web application interface, yeah. all of these layers can be a potential threat. Right. You know, and, and, and that's where I think building that, you know, I call it the, you know, uh, uh, the it's like a cake, layers of cake, right? You know, yes. You, you can you can you can enter from any point and, and disrupt the cake and bring it all down. Yeah. Or, or a layer of cards, you know, which 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 can get impacted. So, so looking at threats, there's a lot of talk in the industry about, you know, centralized log management, centralized threat management, right? Yeah. What is your view on that? So obviously we have an endpoint detection response, which is EDR. What is your view on, you know, the importance of having centralized log management and centralized threat monitoring and detection? Yeah. I suppose EDR is a stopgap, um, a very modern stopgap that's required because your threat landscape is no longer your office, right? Mm. But your threat landscape is somebody's home now because people work from home, people work from cafeteria, right? So born are your traditional defense and parameters, right? Um, the best defense at this moment, strategically now people are talking about is humans, right? Human firewall, that's your best defense because they understand innately the behavior, their own behaviors and the behaviors of the peers and colleagues. Right. Um, no matter how intelligent you get a scene to be, it will never be able to 100% emulate the context and the behaviors of a human being, right? Um, and, and therefore, there's always a challenge. If I put a technology in place, it's superseded. Now we're talking about SSO and MFA, right? We're now hearing so many MFA bypasses now, right? Um, MFA bombardment, which is like people just give up and just click on approve, right? So those are all behavior related. Those are behavioral defenses that we need to put in place. So scene is a good part of the story. We need to have it. But unfortunately, it has to be another layer of defense, which is human behavior. Scene will give you 
it reduces your dwell time, your detection time, right? But proactive defense is human defense. Mm. That's what it is. Um, so starting with EDR, XDR, and getting into scene should be a stepwise movement. It's not just jump into scene. You just reduce your highest risk yeah. and have investment that commensurates with the risk. That's that's my philosophy, and that's how I'm traveling with my own organization. Here, yeah. and when I came in one year ago, the first statement I made to the board was, "It's not if we will get breached; it's a matter of when. We prepare for that when, right? True. And when it do, I mean, even Australian Cyber Security Centre and AC, we'll talk about resilience. So resilience is layered defence. Resilience is EDR going to XDR, going to SIEM, then going to human defence, right? Sometimes maybe taking all the three steps in one, depending on your threat landscape, depending on how big a target you are. So every business is different. Every sizer has to think differently, depending on the context of the business and the threat that they seem to be facing, um, you know, uh, led by threat intelligence. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the next aspect, we, use, we, we covered board, we covered the threat. You know, the third aspect is about insurance, right? What are you seeing in the industry? Yeah, um, we know premiums are going up, but in your view, how is insurance determining their risk yeah. to put a premium across? Yeah. Can you throw some insight into your experience dealing with insurance providers? Yeah, I was just uh, reading up the uh, uh, Business Council of Australia's report in insurance. Uh, the interesting fact is only 20% of the SMEs are insured with silent insurance. Most of them still have their general um, business insurance and hoping probably they're blissfully unaware that you know a cyber incident would not necessarily now be covered under a general insurance, right? So that's a huge factor. Eighty percent of them out there that are probably unprotected. Um, insurance is now becoming very interesting. Uh, I think in the same statement they said that insurance in Australia has increased somewhere from fifty something percent to hundred percent. In US is about three hundred percent premium increase, right? At the same time. Some of the U.S. insurance companies are mandating um, things such as MFA on all your critical applications, ensuring that you have a vulnerability management practice in place, ensuring that you have um, staff security awareness in place. There's nothing sort of that going on in Australia, but there's already proposals, white papers and submissions, right, saying that there needs to be, right? Australian Cyber Security Centre and ASIC are already saying that insurance has, has a role to play in improving the maturity of cyber security in our arena. That's probably a a vector from which they will help improve the cyber security awareness of the industry, right? So I think that's a very good way of putting it, you know, bulk the premiums and then people will then spend money on cyber yeah. security. It's like giving a stick. But it's it's a very interesting aspect what you spoke about with insurance especially. We are seeing questionnaires coming from insurance providers asking more complex questions than a NIST assessment or an IS or a PIPCI. So they're going really into the data level and what kind of encryption you're using and they're asking quite pertinent questions. In fact, some clients have said, no, 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 I don't have this and they've been declined insurance. And that's when that realization happens, hang on, why are you declining my insurance? You know, just you well, you you're telling you've got your doors and windows and uh, you'd never lock anything. And then how do you expect to have insurance cover? They'll not carry that risk. Yeah, because you know, I met with some senior uh, person and he said, "Oh, we've got cyber insurance. We don't need security." So there's also this misconception that yeah. 
insurance is like a control. It's not a security control. It is a, it is a risk mitigation aspect. If all fails, then insurance will kick in. That is how insurance works. So there's also this misconception that oh, I have insurance, so I don't have. It's like I have health insurance, so I can eat and drink whatever I feel like. Right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, most people don't realize that the insurance helps you in your initial forensic analysis, containment, um, and actually closing the doors. But they only probably only buy it for closing the doors means subscribing to a provider, getting tools in, and then well, you know. Uh, two or three year subscriptions. They only pay for setting it up. They don't pay for expenses down the lane. True. Um, and so those kind of things. And and the other thing is, eventually, just like uh, financial uh, responsibilities, directors, cyber security is the financial uh, is responsibility of the directors now as part of the and and that's the advice from Australian Institute of Company Directors coming out right. So if you if you take that approach that mm, I've got insurance I don't need to do cyber security then you could actually be sued. Yeah, very true. Um, notifiable data breach scheme basically says that uh, we're in. I mean, uh, since I came into chartered accountants, even a personal tax uh, consultant who actually deals with a personal tax, if they actually email your um, let's say let's say online tax signage to be returned to you and say, hey, sign and return this to me so I can lodge it. If that's in an email and that got breached, can be sued. Oh, oh very interesting. So it's affecting large to small businesses, but quite a few people are blissfully unaware at this moment. Yeah, you, you mentioned blissfully unaware. You know, that is the ignorance aspect of the world, you know, propagating. And I say, you know, with all the knowledge and awareness government has created around cyber, there are still companies who haven't woken up, right? Yeah, because there's lots of information, you see. I see, go to the Australian Cyber Security Center, they're doing a fantastic job, right? Um, but you look at the website and as a, if I'm an ordinary business owner, I look at it and say, where the hell do I begin? So, turning all that advice into actionable insights that and somebody can take away saying this is a set of tools that I start using is something that Australian Cyber Security Centre is now focusing on that putting in, you know, um, advisories for SMEs on how to go about doing um, and checking and assessing their cyber postures. Those are the kind of tools company needs now, you know. And obviously that has to be backed by, you know, consultancies like yours, Stickman Cyber, to actually help them understand that. So we are in this field. For us, it's fundamental. We know we should do that, right? For people who's 100%, 110% of the time is managing their business, they can't think this. That they, Well, they can think cyber, but where do I start? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm working night and day in this environment, competitive environment, COVID-affected environment, trying to keep my company afloat. Cyber is the last thing I want to think about, right? <laughs> True. Yeah. So the first thing which you mentioned, we'll target that as a last one, is is people and resources, right? You know, what in your view are the you know three key areas of lack of skill set, or four, or how many are work yeah. in your experience and what in your in your talks in the industry? Yeah, I suppose quite a fair amount of the medium um, uh, companies adding 
probably somewhere anywhere from 10 to 400, 500 uh, million dollars SMEs. Some of them are actually trying to get pen testers internally to help them. Some of them are doing some fair amount of development work trying to get app security in, you know, to build up their CICD and move security to the left, DevSecOps approach. Struggling from that perspective, trying to get uh, talent in. The talent that they get in is not experience. If they do get the talent, then they're not experienced with asking for an experienced salary. So that's another challenge. Um, then GRC, you know, um, where you've outsourced. Because of lack of talent, now you're getting companies, same as, same as Thickman Sidler. You know, we have several companies that we work with. But then how do we ensure that they are doing the work to the quality and to the level of our expectation? Assurance is big, and that's where I focus. I think that's where most sizes should focus, building a very strong assurance, because you really need to let people who do security do security. Mm. Right? So building a team of security professional internally is not the core business of all the business, right? Chartered accountants, you know? Do I go and recruit a lot of people internally to help defend? But that's not our business. Our business is education, setting standards, and and same thing with the university, where I was in my previous role. Our role is teaching, education, learning, research. If you are really building a core cloud team or core security team, right? Sure. And even if you do that, you don't have the breadth of the skills, though. No. Right? And quite a few times in this changing cyber landscape, you're actually flying the plane as you're building it. Wow. Right? So that's a very good analogy. <laughs> so letting the professionals do your security is important. And when I'm saying professionals don't actually, I would actually even go to the length of saying get a security company to do your security, not the generalist IT company to do your security. Through my experience, I've seen the difference. Right? And that's interesting because we say cyber security should be a business function, not an issue fixed by IT. So cyber, like how we have marketing, sales department, finance, accounting, even in finance, there's finance, accounting, distinction is drawn. Yeah. In, in marketing, sales is also a distinction. Same way in cyber, we say cyber and IT, that distinction has to be drawn. So IT is, you know, go, who go configure, install, patch, Cyber is doing the risk, compliance, governance, uh, also the testing, the monitoring, yeah. and the upkeep of the systems from that standpoint. So I think you need to draw that distinction. So in your process of you know identifying, you know, could you, in a few words, tell us you know what did you see in Stickman and why you chose us and how the experience has been thus far? Yeah, I mean, uh, before I came in, I think Stickman was already engaged with Chartered Accountant, so it was fairly easy. Um, uh, sort of engaging with Stickman. Um, and as I said, my philosophy is always to engage a specialist IT security company to do your security, right? Hmm. Um, so, and just like with Stickman, we have um, other companies that do separate aspects of our security, and that's deliberate. Yeah. Deliberate strategy, layer defense, right? Yep. Um, if, if, if it escapes to one particular tool or one particular set of team, then another team is able to catch it. Right? True. True. Um, so that's that's basically the strategy that we use or I use personally. Um, and getting a security company to do security is like hiring a bodyguard, your personal bodyguard, right? 
So Stickman, like every other company that we employ, several other security companies that actually manage our operational aspect of the security, is our bo- they are our bodyguard. True. So what I'm looking forward to any, any security company that I interact or that we engage with is you need to understand our business. Because cybersecurity, as is stated, is a business problem. It is not a technology problem. Yeah. So when you do those controls, when you look at the controls, when you suggest even in your ISMS framework, um, uh, you know, your intent as to why you're actually doing it, hmm. right? Hmm. Um, you need to understand that, right? Otherwise, your operations on B or and your behaviors of a staff won't be aligned with what we want from you as a security company, right? So, so for me, it's a partnership. Hmm. It's, it's, it's no longer us and you, it's we. We're at, we need to have that. Um, and, and all the companies that we've engaged to do our security, including Stickman, that's, you know, what I've appreciated um, and looked for. Wonderful, wonderful. So, Ashwini, thank you so much. Is there any final words you want to share, you know, in terms of aspiring, you know, people who want to come into the cybersecurity world? You know, what are your, you know, tips or, you know, suggestions or guidance? You know, because there's no number of people, I'm sure, who are reaching out to you saying, I'm a graduate, you know, I'm looking for a job or I'm in IT and I want to move to cyber. Anything you want to share with, 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 with the audience? Yeah, I mean, coming from my own experience, right? Um, one of the things that we struggle with is getting, since I was a business problem, and actually technology is a business problem. Technology enables business. I mean, we look at all the competitive badges given by technology, nothing else, right? So the skills that I would basically encourage the graduates out there who are looking to move in technology in cyber is to get really work on your soft skills. And when I say soft skills, it's about communication. And when I say about communication, it's not about being articulate. It's about being um, understanding and having that emotional intelligence when you talk to the parts of the business, what they're expecting from you. True. Um, and that's very important because in GRC world, it's you interacting with the business totally. You are trying to persuade the other parts of the business to come on board and and basically change their behaviors and mo- be more cyber aware. Yeah. Be more conscious of, of their controls and how they treat data, how they handle data. So how are you going to influence them if you don't have those soft skills? So that's very important for me, especially in the GRC arena. And GRC is where I focus now at the moment because that's our assurance that, you know, third parties in the different parts of our internal business have the behaviors to actually protect our data. Wonderful. Wonderful. So that's, that's, and, and, and then technical skills, I'd say. True, true, true. Yeah, I know there's, there are many leaders who say you, you hire for attitude, skill can be built and developed over time. I have for attitude. I can always teach things, right? I mean, look at the amount of things that we don't use that we learned, right? Being in cybersecurity specifically is learning almost every month something new is out there and you've got to get yourself, familiarize yourself. I can't ready, land, and then know that. You've got to land. So aptitude is very important. Attitude and aptitude is very important. Being independent, being 
given a problem and just go and find out because I know you want to know the problem. You want to know the solution to the problem. My team, I tell them to be very open and, and say, if I'm giving you a problem, I'm 90% sure you don't know how to solve it. But that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the behaviors and the aptitude for you to go and solve it and come to me with, with the solution. Because at the end of the day, I don't ever know the right solution until it's presented and until you bring it into the business context and choose the right one, right? Hopefully the right one. Yeah, especially they say, especially for leaders, if you have a team who does 80% and you do the 20%, which is mentoring, guiding, quality awareness and also inspiring them. Yeah. That's how leaders can become more successful because if leaders get to do everything, then, you know, sometimes, yeah, you have to roll up your sleeves and get down in the trenches. But if you're doing that every day, then there's a serious issue with leadership there, right? Yeah. You need to let go and uh, encourage others to learn. Yeah. And you do the mentoring, guidance, quality check, and also inspiring them in the process. Yeah. Ashwini, it's been such a pleasure. You know, we have met for the first time because of COVID. We, we have only done video and now we've done a video conference, <laughs> actual meeting, and, and also face-to-face. -face. So thank you so much for making it today, and I wish you all the best. And then again, thanks once again. Yeah, welcome, man. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you.